As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. We click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam on a Friday. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me, as always, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Thanks for having me, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being on the show, Al. Uh, it's good to be back. We were off for a week, and now we're here. And we're going back to our, our old format, where Al and I are going to come up with two topics that we think are interesting. And then we are going to have a guest. Today we have Adam Mares from DNVR. Also the Locked on Nuggets podcast is going to join us here later on. But first, Al, what what tickled your fancy this week? What, uh, what, what caught your eye this week? Oh, yes, I was definitely tickled uh, this week, Andrew, <laughs> because uh, it's the middle of July. And I have been thinking about the worst teams in the league. Detroit, Oklahoma City, Orlando, and Houston. These four teams have been the bottom four teams in the league for two consecutive years now, which feels unique. It's not actually at all. Uh, You actually only have to go back a couple seasons when the Lakers, (laughs) Suns, Sixers, and Nets accomplished the same feat two seasons in a row. But what is unique about this current group, in my opinion, is the overall positivity and excitement about these four teams kind of across the board. And it's, it's a run of two good drafts in a row that has left all four of these teams in what seems like a great position to finally turn the corner. And now you have the Spurs beginning their beautiful tank and the Jazz are on the verge of bottoming out. It doesn't appear like we're headed for a third consecutive season with the same teams at the bottom, which brings up the question, who will turn the corner the quickest? Who will jump the highest of the bottom four this season? Now, I've thought about this question and I've settled on my answer, Andrew. So I would like to present to you and the listeners my top five reasons why the Orlando Magic will have the best finish of the current bottom four. Oh, I cannot wait to hear these. Let's hear it. Okay, so we'll go five to one, and these are in order of importance. So if you hear number five and say to yourself, well, that's not very convincing, Alex. Uh, Stop talking to yourself. We're not having a conversation. I can't hear you. Second of all, chill out. They're going to get better. Okay, Andrew, are you ready? (laughs) Yeah. All right, number five reason the Orlando Magic will have the best finish of the current bottom four is honestly, I just think these other teams are worse and are more likely to pull the plug (laughs) at some point during the season. Take the Rockets, for example. This is Houston's last year that they own their own pick before the bills need to be paid for the Russell Westbrook trade. It seems obvious, in my opinion, that Houston should prioritize maximizing that 2023 pick, especially considering the quality of the upcoming draft. Or look at OKC. If OKC is hanging around the play-in in February, do we really think they're going to go all out to be the 10th seed? Pull the plug, baby. Pull the plug. We do not. Uh, now, what about Detroit? I, I bet a lot of people out there, that would be people's pick to finish the highest of this group. Yep. I'm just not there yet. I really like their core, but I'm also worried about 
expecting a huge jump when they'll be integrating two rookies who will likely play heavy minutes, mm-hmm. um, especially like high usage rookie with Jaden Ivey. That feels like a lot to ask right off the bat. As for the Magic, now the thing with Orlando is they haven't had all of their young guys available for any extended period of time. And so assuming health, they're going to be incentivized next year to play those guys together so they know what they have. And as I'll explain later, Andrew, this could be a very good thing in terms of wins, which brings me to my number four reason why Orlando will have the best finish of the current bottom four. Uh... But honestly, before I get there, you know, this, this top five list doesn't sound that exciting. I mean, best finish among the current bottom four. That, that's kind of boring, <laughs> to be honest. So let's juice this up, Andrew, because not only do I think Orlando will have the best finish of the bottom four. Oh, no. What are you about to do? The top five reasons why the Orlando Magic will be the 10th seed mm. next season. Wow. Okay. Now, now I'm locked Tenth in. Seed. Now you're locked in. We're talking play-in magic. Now, uh, as I mentioned... The Magic have a lot to figure out with their best young players, which is why the number four reason the Orlando Magic will be the 10th seed next season is health. According to mangameslost.com, the Magic were the most injured team in the league last year, and it wasn't particularly close. The Magic had over 450 games missed due to injury. The next closest teams were around the 400-game missed mark. Most teams in the NBA are somewhere between 250 and 300 games lost due to injury. 450 is a lot of missed games. Now, were some of those games tanking-related? Probably. But there were a lot of real injuries here as well. Jonathan Isaac missed the entire season as he continued to rehab from an ACL. Markel Fultz only played in 18 games after recovering from his own ACL injury. And when he did come back, he was playing 20 minutes most nights. Jalen Suggs, of course, missed 34 games due to a combo of fractured thumb and a stress fracture in his ankle. You can debate the relative importance of those injuries. But if those players are healthy, Orlando's rotation all of a sudden looks a lot deeper. Listen to this 10-man lineup, Andrew. Fultz, Suggs, Wagner, Paolo, Wendell Carter Jr., Cole Anthony, Gary Harris, Mo Bamba, Chuma Okiki. That's nine guys before even getting to Isaac, who admittedly is a wild card. That's a stronger 9-10-man to rotation than any of these other bad teams, in my opinion. Now, I'm less of a fan of RJ Hampton and Terrence Ross, which is why I left them off. But that's the point. I went 10 deep without even really having to consider them. Which leads me... To my number three reason, the Orlando Magic will be the 10th seed this season, Andrew. The newest addition to that rotation that I just listed off, the number one overall pick, Paolo Bencaro. When I I read off that rotation, it might not have moved you the way it moves me. I think Orlando's (laughs) core has unfairly fallen behind these other teams in terms of general perception and excitement because they were the last to get their high wattage star player. Detroit got Cade. OKC got Shea, Houston got Jalen Green. Those guys get people going. Andrew. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr., as good as they are, do not seem to excite the masses in the same way. And no. the result of that, in my opinion, is that Orlando's young core as a whole has gotten massively underrated. Because if you just step back and think about Franz Wagner and Wendell Carter Jr. as Orlando's second and third best building blocks in whatever order you want, Mm-hmm. Those two are so much further along than the number two and number three on the rest of these teams. So now you add in the number one guy, the face of the franchise type player, and the entire perception is going to change. Paulo will not just raise the ceiling of the magic on the court. He will raise the ceiling of Orlando's young core in the minds of NBA fans. People are going to realize that the three, four, five combo of Franz, Paulo, and Wendell Carter Jr., who I wish there was a shorter way to say his name. I feel like I have to say his full name every single time. Wendell yeah, Carter that, Jr., does, does he have yeah. a, a nickname? Yeah, WCJ doesn't That's feel right. That's and the not, other that thing is, every time I say Wendell Carter Jr., my brain tells me to say Willie Cauley-Stein. And I have to fight it <laughs> off every single time. And it's really hard. People are going to realize that combo is an insanely skilled and complimentary trio, perfectly suited for the modern game. Andrew, you know this. I was asking from the beginning of the draft process, why is no one mocking Paulo at number one? Doesn't mm-hmm. Paulo address... Orlando's biggest needs, I still believe that and think he was a perfect and necessary piece to complement what Orlando had already been building, which is my number two reason why Orlando will be the 10th seed this season. What has Orlando been building? They have been building a really good defensive foundation. And this is one of the reasons why so many assumed Orlando would go with Jabari or Chet. Length and defense has been the Mm -hmm. calling card for this Magic front office for years going back to their time in Milwaukee. Looking at their young guys, there's so many plus defenders. Fultz, Suggs, Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac. 
It wasn't always obvious last season because of the aforementioned injuries, but I think it's worth noting that after Markel Fultz returned to the lineup on February 28th, Orlando had the seventh-ranked defense the rest of the season. They were 8-13 in those final 21 games. Now, you don't want to get too excited because, you know, things get weird at the end of the season, but you can look at the roster and see the defensive potential. And I think when projecting a team to significantly improve, you want to feel like there's some kind of identity, something you can hang your hat on. Most of these teams... Actually, I think all of these teams are bottom five offensive teams last year. And most of them are also bottom five defensively as well. And I think if healthy, Orlando's defense can be their identity. All of this, Andrew, brings me to the number one reason. Before we get there, Wendell Carter does not have a nickname, according to basketball reference. So you got to stick with the Wendell Carter. Because no one just says, like, if you just said Wendell, I guess you could because there's not another Wendell in the league. But no one just calls him Wendell. And I also feel like Carter Jr. isn't specific enough. Carter Jr. is not good. It's not a good way to describe him. He is so Wendell Carter Jr. Wendell Carter Jr. All right. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not, I mean, I shouldn't complain. You know, it's not that hard to say. It's just a long name. It's a long name. Uh, okay. All this, my number one reason why Orlando will be the 10th seed this season, their young guys are already good together. All of these teams were bad last year. They all won less than 25 games. And that's to be expected because you're playing young guys. And it takes young guys time to be positive contributors typically to gel and learn how to play together. But let's look at so how some of these young cores fared by looking at the net ratings for their three-man young cores. Okay, let's start with Detroit. I would say their three-man young core last season would be Cade, Sadiq Bay, and Isaiah Stewart. That group played yeah. over 1,100 minutes together and had a minus 10.4 net rating. Really bad, which again, to be expected. I don't care, but you know, it's there. What about Oklahoma City? Shea, Giddy, and Dort played 735 minutes together and had a minus 9.9 net rating. Let's go. Not good. Let's go. Now, Houston is tougher because they spent half the season double-checking to make sure Christian Wood <laughs> and Daniel Tice was not the front court of the future. <laughs> so the minutes are a little reduced. But Jalen Green, KPJ, and Shangun, they played less than 400 minutes together. Not a huge sample. They had a minus 6.4 net rating in those minutes. Again, not great. What about Orlando? Well, their most played three-man lineup of young guys was Wendell Carter Jr., Cole mm-hmm. Anthony, and Franz Wagner. Yep. Those three played over 1,100 minutes together and had a plus 0.5 net rating. Plus! Three plus. guys, 23 or younger, including a rookie and a second-year player who many thought was just a chucker, and they were mm-hmm. a plus on the court together for a team that won 22 games. But you say, I know you're saying this, well, should you, shouldn't you really include Jalen Suggs? I mean, that's who yeah. they took fourth overall. Fine. Wendell Carter Jr., Franz Wagner, and Jalen Suggs. 685 minutes together, minus 1.7 net rating. That's not so bad. Now, isn't that a little interesting? Yeah, uh, it is. That is interesting. A listener, Dennis Todman, had brought this to my attention at some point during last season. It was something I followed the rest of the year. Because we just looked at all these other young cores who were all so excited about. Mm-hmm. And they were, for the most part, terrible when they were on the court together last season. Which, again, and for the last time, is fine and to be <laughs> expected. But when a young core flips the script and actually shows signs this early of being productive together, I think that's worth paying attention to. That's that foundation that I'm talking about. You have young guys already playing well together. You add in good, young, defensive-minded players who have been injured. You add in the number one overall pick, who everyone says is the most ready to play in the draft, and also, by the way, addresses their biggest needs offensively. Add all that up, Andrew, and that is why the Orlando Magic will be the 10th seed next season. Wow. Are you convinced? Uh, I kind of like it, yeah. No, I think that they're they're definitely on the upswing. I think the hope with bringing a guy like Paolo in is that he can be the focal point of the offense. That's what they're missing. They're missing a guy that can really just score the basketball, that you can give the ball to on any given possession. He can go get you a bucket. And he's just such a good decision maker, man. Like that's that's really what was shining for him in Vegas was that he just made winning plays. Like he just knew the right plays to make, knew how to pass the basketball. And defensively, when he puts in effort, like he's pretty good. So yeah, I think they have the correct number one pick and they have guys developing around them. I'd love to see Fultz get a full season of health. I know. Because there there are a lot of ways that he was effective for them last year. And that's like gone like way under the radar and 
rightly so. I could win. Like, yeah, I was thinking about bringing up the fact that he might be the most underrated player in the NBA for totally like legitimate reasons for a lot of fans. Like, Yes. Everyone like a lot of people underrated him just because of the whole bus narrative with the Sixers and everything that happened there. But even the fact that he's like a point guard that doesn't shoot, like he's always going to be like naturally underrated because of that. Yep. And then he's on the Orlando Magic. Like a lot of people just aren't watching the Magic. And so they don't realize like how important he can be to this team. I mean, he was a huge I was looking at cleaning the glass, and Franz and Wendell Carter Jr. are like right at the top in terms of plus minus. Yep. Um, but Marco Fultz is right there. I think he was like a plus five point four. When mm-hmm. he was on the court, and a lot of times he was coming off the bench with their bench, which their bench was not great last year. Yeah. So yeah, I think if you have a full season of faults, adding in all these other young players, I'm just I, I think they're further along than we think when you look at like, their 22 wins last season. Yeah, I think it's possible. I wouldn't bet on 10, but I think it's mm. within the realm of possibility. Uh, Al, I was uh, just sifting through NBA.com slash stats and cleaning the glass over this past week, and I found five stats that you don't remember from last season. First stat, points off turnovers from NBA.com slash stats. The number one player in points off turnovers is Devin Booker. I didn't remember that at mm. all. It's You think of players like Anthony Edwards, who's number two. LeBron, number three. Siakam, number four. Zach Levine, number five. Where's a, where's a Grizzly? Curry. I was thinking a Grizzly. Even Are Steph they... Curry. Uh, John Morant is number nine okay, okay. on points off of turnovers. Yeah, John Morant's a guy that probably be, would be guests within the first like three or four guesses. But no, it's Devin Booker, which you don't think of him as a guy who plays with great pace, but the number one player in points off of turnovers. Stat number two. Efficiency differential from cleaning the glass. This is points scored minus points allowed per 100 possessions. Number one player in this, it's a no-brainer. It's Nikola Jokic, plus 19.5. No one's impressed by that stat. Jason Tatum, number two, plus 16.5. But the number three player at a plus 15.2. He plays for the Portland Trailblazers. He just got a new contract. His name is Yusuf Nurkic. Is oh, wow. third in efficiency differential. When I saw that, I said, What? This guy just got a four year, $70 million contract. Some people, including me, thought it was too rich for the big man. But if he can be as effective as he was last year, he's going to help the Blazers get back to the playoffs. And this was in 1,500 minutes. This was in, and the qualifier here was they had to play at least 1,000 minutes for this top three. And Yusuf Nurkic made the top three. I didn't see that coming. Uh, that is very surprising, especially thinking back to how the start of their season went. I know. Like, I know. I, I know they eventually had that nice run after the year turned when, like, Anthony Simons was really heating up. Dame was already out at that point. But, yeah, that is definitely surprising. I would have never guessed that. Yeah. I was about to say Anthony Simons as, like, when you said he played for the Blazers. Yeah, I know. He would not have been maybe even the third Blazer, I would have guessed. That would have <laughs> been 15.2. Uh, stat number three, net rating. Al, NBA.com slash stats, goes all the way back to the 96-97 season with net rating. This season, the largest net rating in the league went to the Phoenix Suns with a plus 7.5 net rating. Al, that is the lowest number for the best net rating that I can find on NBA.com slash stats, all the way back to 1996. So Mm. no other team has ever had a lower net rating being the best net rating in the entire league. So 7.5, I found some like 7.8s, maybe like 7.6. I was like, yes, when I kept seeing it as I'm like clicking through, like trying to find, is this the lowest, like, is this the lowest best net rating ever? So I don't know if this is like a sign that, you know, there's not, obviously there's not one dominant team last year, but maybe like a sign of like the at least perceived parity that Adam Silver would want. But I just thought that was really interesting because usually you have like your best teams are like, like the Warriors were like a plus 11 in the time of their like dynasty. Even the Thunder were a plus 10 at one point, which was, which is pretty high. But usually you have a team that's like a plus nine or a plus eight here or there, but plus 7.5 is the lowest that you will find. Yeah, we should have brought that up one team. Uh, earlier because when we were thinking about the Suns' dominance in the regular season, I was so focused on the gap between the first seed and the second seed. Yeah. Because that that was historical at that mm-hmm. time. Was didn't even care about the the net rating. Wasn't even paying attention to that. 
Stat number four, effective field goal percentage. It's probably easy to guess the bottom of the league. We just talked about the worst teams. Pistons are the worst. The Thunder, second. Magic, third. All those teams stink. It's easy to pick, pick those teams out. But can you guess the fourth worst team in effective field goal percentage? Fourth worst? Uh, was, it, was it Memphis? It was not Memphis. It's the 48-win Toronto Raptors, who were mm. 51% effective field goal percentage. Now, if you cover the Raptors or a Raptors fan, maybe you know this, but as someone who covers mostly Western Conference teams, I thought, wow, I didn't remember that. So this team, obviously a great defensive team, but if they can just improve their shooting, like, wow, like things could get better for the Raptors pretty quickly. Where was Memphis? Was I way off? No, they're like 22nd, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were pretty bad. Not as bad as the Raptors, though. Uh, stat number five. Points per possession for a pick-and-roll ball handler. So I found the top five actually all pretty interesting. So the qualifiers I put out there, they had to play at least 50 games, and they had to at least have a 30% pick-and-roll frequency, which if we're talking about like the highest-level pick-and-roll frequency, it's like 50% for like a Luka Doncic or a Chris Paul. So these guys are, are definitely a rung below there, but maybe guys, I'm, I was kind of looking to see if we could find some guys that were maybe ready to take on a bigger role. Number one, or should we start with number one or number five, Al? Which one do you want? Uh, number five, build up, number, build up. Number five, Tyrese Maxey at a 1.02, which I think is quite interesting for a Sixers team that uh, starting to build some momentum in the media with the offseason moves that they made. Uh, they're all getting together in Charleston to hang out for training camp. It's going to be great. And Tyrese Maxey could be one of the big difference makers for the Sixers. And he was already really good in the pick and roll last year. And usually that just improves as players get older. And, and, uh, number- and Windhorse, I'll just bring it up. Yeah. Uh, Windhorse on the Hoop Collective today mm-hmm. said that the Sixers refused to give up Maxey in the Lowry trade talks two years ago. Like that was there the big go. hang up. Man. How much that would have changed the perception of that trade? Because they end up getting Precious Achua, who who you know yeah. ended up having a good season. But if they had landed Tyrese Maxey in that trade, how we think about him now? Oh my Holy gosh. smokes! <laughs> Number four, Demar Derozan, one point oh three for the Chicago Bulls. Had a great season last year, even good as a pick and roll ball handler. Uh, Number three, Donovan Mitchell, one point oh three as well. It's on the trading block. A guy that. We know well, but operated, you know, very efficiently in the pick and roll last year. Uh, number two, these these next two are, are quite interesting. Anthony Simons is number two at one point oh four. He's a guy that will be taking on a bigger role next to Dame next year, and they're going to need him to. And he operated very well in the pick and roll, and he's gonna he's gonna need to play that well again next season. Let's see let's see what that looks like. And then number one, he's been in the news. Yeah, I know who it is. I know who it is. You do? Who is it? It's Jalen Brunson, isn't it? It's Jalen Brunson, 1.06 for the New York Knicks. So the Knicks could possibly have two of the best pick-and-roll ball handlers in the NBA last year on their team here in a matter of weeks. You're talking about Evan Fournier? Evan Fournier, no. I just found that very interesting, that that particular group, um, really minus DeMar DeRozan, but like... Jalen Brunson, Anthony Simons, Tyrese Maxey are all guys that you think like, okay, they're ready to take another step in their career and help out these teams that they're, you know, Jalen Brunson joining the Knicks, uh, Tyrese Maxey trying to help a title contender, Anthony Simons trying to help the Blazers get back into the playoffs and the efficiency that they operate in the pick and roll would, uh, it, it bodes well for all of those players. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, Simon's in particular because I think there were some people who were kind of sh- shocked by the the cost of his contract yeah. when it first came out, and I think it's because a lot of people just think of him as a shooter. Like everyone agrees that he's a shooter, he's a high volume three point shooter, he's great. But like you said, like there was so much more he was doing last year that was going under the radar because the Trailblazers weren't really trying to win because Dean was injured, but he showed so much more in his offensive game, and so I'm fascinated to see how he fits with Dame in this upcoming season. Yeah, yeah, I think he's primed to to take another leap. Uh, all right, we will be right back after this break. Adam Mares is going to join us to talk about the Denver Nuggets. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With us today, we have Adam Mares. He's the host of the DNVR Nuggets podcast and Locked On Nuggets. Adam, what's up, man? What's up, fellas? Happy Friday. Thanks for being here, man. Uh, I, I wanted to bring you on because I feel like NBA podcasts have talked about the same teams over and over again. Like, we're just recycling the same stuff for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And I was like, no one's talking about the Nuggets. <laughs> this is a good team. This is a, one of the contenders out there. Yeah. Uh, so... Let's start with the big picture. The, the first move of the Denver Nuggets offseason was Tim Connolly leaving from Minnesota. Connolly was a well-respected executive, and the move caused a lot of Nuggets fans to start worrying about the future. Uh, now that we're toward the end of the summer and the Nuggets fans have seen what Calvin Booth has done in his first offseason, how are Nuggets fans feeling? It's kind of funny because so much of judging the offseason, it's like judging the draft. You do it draft yeah. night. How did they do? Like, I don't know. We haven't seen it. Nothing's changed from before <laughs> the draft. So it's a little bit of that. I mean, I will say one of the big things about Calvin Booth, when he was named and he did his introductory press conference, it was, we feel like we know what this team needs. They need unsexy moves. Defense yeah. brought in so we can go to some defensive lineups. If you look at Contavious Caldwell Pope replacing Will Barton. Absolutely a defensive upgrade and a guy that I think offensively doesn't cost you a whole lot. Bruce Brown, absolutely a defensive player that I think could be part of a closing lineup for them um, and bolsters the, their defense. Christian Brown in the draft is a defensive player that they believe can play real minutes this year, you know, off of the bench, maybe 10, 15 minutes a night by midway through the season. All defensive players. So I think that he had a vision and he set out to accomplish that vision. Whether or not it works or not, well, to be determined. You mentioned Bruce Brown, and he was kind of Denver's top free agent signing. And a lot of the interest around him is how versatile he is. He played a variety of roles with the Nets these past couple seasons. How do you envision Denver using Bruce Brown next to Jokic? Yeah, that's it's really interesting because Bruce Brown is a, is a unique player, and obviously Jokic is a unique player, and they're unique in ways that – in theory, fit well together. Bruce Brown's a really yeah. good screen and roll guy. Uh, Jokic is a good ball handler and pick and roll for a center, really for anybody, but but from the center position. So you imagine some inverted pick and rolls between those two guys where teams are, guards are guarding the screener and, and bigs are guarding the ball handler in a way that works really well to both of their skill sets. Bruce Brown's also a great cutter. He just has a, a, a sense for the timing and angles of cuts. Jokic loves that. Um, he seems to be an, an unselfish player. He's not a guy that's going to be eating up crazy possessions. So I think he's going to fit in really well. The question is, how much does he actually play with Jokic? Because right now the starting five is penciled in. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Michael Porter, that's your 2-3. Is Bruce Brown, are they going to stagger and have him out on the court a lot? Are you even going to go to closing lineups that feature Bruce Brown there over a player like Michael Porter or maybe Aaron Gordon if you just need more defense on the perimeter? I think that's actually... I think there's a good chance that he's going to be part of their best lineups, even though he might be part of their less sexy lineups. I, yeah. I, I think that's going to be one of the uncomfortable things the Nuggets are going to have to discover throughout the course of the season. Yeah, you mentioned him being in a final five. Like if you had Jamal Murray, KCP, Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, and Jokic, like that seems like a totally different look yeah. from what we've seen in the past couple seasons from the Nuggets. Well, so the thing that's interesting about the Nuggets, and we have to go back to the bubble and in the year that preceded it, the regular season, their identity was solid. It was at the end of the games, everybody clear out. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are going to play a two-man game that just works. They they can run pick and roll with those two, spread pick and roll with those two guys 30 times in a row, get a different look at it every single time, and they, they're just the chemistry between them is so great. So Michael Porter represents a phenomenal floor spacer, is that as important as having another elite defender out on the court? That's going to be the question that they have. And um, to me, 
you look at the playoffs, you've got to have, you can't have any marks. You don't want a team that's looking around and saying, okay, we're just going to get that guy on an Island. We're going to put him in this action, get him here. And then we're going to exploit that. That's how you win in the playoffs. The Nuggets, KCP, Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown. None of those guys are marks. Jamal Murray to me is not a mark. You know, is he a great defender? No, but if you're going to spend your time just trying to isolate him, okay, Denver's going to outscore you at that. Jokic obviously is Jokic. He has his limitations, but I think same thing. The offense is going to outweigh that so long as you have defenders around. So he's the one that to me, you look at Bruce Brown closing there, gives him that ability to say there's no marks on the court. So you're probably just going to have to play your regular offense versus our regular offense. And we trust that Murray and Jokic are going to be better than your end of game offensive lineup. So the Nuggets had two first round picks in the 2022 draft. They took Christian Brown out of Kansas and Peyton Watson from UCLA. They also picked up Ishmael Kamagate in the second round. Uh, what are some of the early impressions of their draft picks? Well, so what's funny here is you look at it, Calvin Booth clearly saying we need to get defense. You get Christian Brown, who's a guy that throughout summer league was getting rebounds, block shots, steals, just deflections. I think he's a low ceiling guy, but a pretty high floor player. He was a champion in Kansas. He played all 40 minutes of the national title game, you know, guarding the other team's best players and, and, and having a real impact there. He's a guy that I think the team hopes can come in this year and be part of their playoff rotation, albeit on a low minute role, but a guy that's a low mistake. They don't really need to feed him. He's going to do it. Just, he's going to fit in around the, the edges. He'll make enough of his shots. He'll get enough rebounds to kind of justify being out there. But that at six, seven is a really good perimeter contained uh, defender. So he's a guy that they look at defense right away. Summer league, he didn't shoot the ball well, but I thought he guarded extremely well. He had a game against his former teammate of Kansas, Suchai Abaji, and I think he had four points uh, against him. You know, he completely shut him down. Um, so I think he's a guy that looks like a low ceiling, ready to go guy. Peyton Watson's an interesting one. He averaged three points per game at UCLA, the lowest of any player that played college basketball to be taken in the first round, yeah. um, which is not a badge of honor, I suppose. But he's represents, I think, the long term. How do you find a guy six, eight, seven, one wingspan? That's an elite defender. How do you find those guys? Because when they hit every team wants them, they end up getting paid a ton of money and there's like four of them in the league. He represents a guy that has a low, a small chance of turning into that, a high chance of not turning into anything, but he's, I think Calvin Booth says to win, we need to have one or two of those guys on the roster and we just have to buy lottery tickets to that every year. So that's what he represents. Didn't see a lot out of from him in summer league. That makes me think that's on the horizon. He's more of a two-year project kind of guy. And then Ismail Kamagate was maybe the most impressive of all of Denver's rookies taken in the second round, six foot 11 NBA body um, hustles does, does a lot of things really, really well. Kind of reminds you of a Clint Capella type. Um, but unfortunately Denver drafted him. They traded a pick to get him. He's going to be a stash. He's going back to Paris. So he looks to me like a guy that's going to be very intriguing next year, but unfortunately mm -hmm. that's a next year proposition. So we've already started to get some over-unders coming out for next season. And uh, one of the sports books that released their over-unders this week had Denver's over-under at 49 and a half wins. Now, if the listeners don't know, Denver has played at well above a 50-win pace for three of the last yeah. four years. Outside of injuries, what is the scenario where this Nuggets team wins less than 50 games? Like, do you have any real concerns other than injuries? If they're if if you told me full health, I I think it's absurd. They they would win fifty five games if they're fully healthy, maybe more than that. I mean, they're they won forty nine, I think, last year. You know, with the a, a, I don't think people can name the starting lineup that they put out there last year. They just would be shocked to see it, and they won forty nine. So to me, you add Jamal Murray back, and you add Michael Porter. If those guys were healthy all year, fifty five, fifty six, fifty seven, which would be a franchise record, um, it is within striking distance. That number to me represents Vegas's disbelief that the Nuggets are going to be healthy. And I think rightfully so. We haven't really seen updates on Michael Porter. I don't know if he's playing five on five basketball yet. I don't know if, I mean, by all accounts, he should be ready for the regular season, but we just don't know. No, the team has not come out and said he's on track for this, or he looks good doing this. There's no video of him working out. Jamal Murray got his first five on five action at the Nuggets facility three or four weeks ago for the first time. So is he going to be ready? Is he going to play? I don't know. And is he going to make it through 82 games? So to me, that that number, Denver is the hardest team to bet on this year because that number is really how many games are these guys going to play? Who knows that? I don't think they know that. Yeah. Uh, one of the under-the-radar storylines with the Nuggets is how they continue to be the epicenter 
of the ongoing battle between cable companies and regional sports networks. Uh, could you explain to our listeners who aren't aware of it what it's like being a Nuggets fan living in Denver, trying to follow the Nuggets at a time where they have their greatest player in franchise history? Well, not to mention they're also the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup this year, literally won yeah. the cup and had the greatest regular season they've had in their franchise history. Uh, and they also were not on local television, which is just absurd. So this is a thing that the situation here is one that I think deserves more mention, just just from smarter people than I, quite frankly, in the business world, because Altitude, which is the broadcast partner for the Denver Nuggets owned by the Cronkies, they are a one-off. They only cover the local teams. They're not part of, you know, Fox Sports or NBC or whatever. They're they're, they're a one-off. And as a result, they are vulnerable to these large cable conglomerates like Comcast saying, hey, we don't need you like you need us. So we're going to jack up the price on you because you have no recourse other than to black out, you know, not be part of Comcast. And that's what's happening in Denver for three years, by the way. I think that this same thing is coming to all of the larger ones. You're seeing the smaller one-offs be the ones that are preyed on first. But I think it's a story that, look, people get their cable, they get their entertainment from different packages now, and the old model isn't there. And it sucks because, to your point, two-time MVP, both of those seasons were not broadcast to a majority of Denver uh, cable customers. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. They also had a defensive player of the year in Kel McCarr not on television this year. So we're missing a golden year of Denver sports is happening right now and people aren't able to watch it. And I think it's going to be a story that's going to hit other markets. It's already hitting places like Dallas and New York. It's going to be a bigger story, I think, over the next two, three, four seasons. And the NBA, in my opinion, needs to figure out a new distribution model. Yeah, I mean, the scariest part of that is you mentioned this has been going on three years. Like the fact that they haven't been able to come to agreement over three years is just terrifying because it's like, why Why would you think there's going to be an end in sight at this point? Um, there's not. Adam, <laughs> there's, yeah. that's, that's the truth. There's not going to be. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for answering our questions. It is now time to play oh, Andrew no. versus the Beat, our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head to head with a beat writer. This week, his opponent is Adam Morris, host of the DNVR podcast and Locked On Nuggets. Adam, how this works, I've come up with eight questions related to the Nuggets. Uh, some are easy, some are hard. You're going to give me a number between one and eight. You look like you're already sweating. Oh, uh, if you <laughs> If you get it right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one. And we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So I just need a number between one and eight. Very easy to start off with. Just a number between one and eight. I'll go with uh, John Elway, number seven. Number seven. Aaron Gordon has participated in the dunk contest three times coming up just short in all three contests. 
Gordon may be unlucky, but he does have some competition for unluckiest dunk contest participant ever. This Hall of Famer and NBA champ participated in the dunk contest five times during the 1980s without ever bringing home the trophy. Who is he? Oh, man. Uh, A champion? Five times in the 80s, huh? Hall of Famer and NBA champion five times during the 80s. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, my word. (laughs) This is so tough. (laughs) Champion... The phrasing of this, uh, this is such a technicality. Was he a champion in the 80s or you can't, you're not telling me that? Uh, I, I can't <laughs> okay. say. He, right. It might have been in a later decade, perhaps. Um, man, I don't know. I don't know who it is. I don't know if I have a, uh, I don't know if I have a good answer. It's okay. This is one of the toughest ones, I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I have a great answer for you. A loser, a multi-time loser who is also a champion. Yeah. yeah. They have to be a dunker, like, a Hall of Famer, and a champion. It's because you'd think like Neek, but I don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't have an answer. I don't have one. All right, Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Can you think of any names? Yeah, before any you said champion, like Dominique, but I don't, I don't know yeah. if he won or not. Um, he actually did. He, I think he lost three, but he did get uh, some wins. Okay. Oh, uh, shoot. I mean, I was born in 86, so it's hard for me to remember watching. Oh, that contests. sounds like an excuse, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, oh, gosh. Oh, James, James Worthy. I have no idea. Adam, you want to throw a guess out? Did you, did you have a name come to you? No. I was thinking like maybe <laughs> Clyde, but no, I don't have one. So it was Clyde Drexler. Was it Clyde? It was. <laughs> Which the NBA the, the NBA champ yeah. thing kind of throws you off because yeah. obviously it didn't happen while in Portland. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, well, that was that was an exciting one, even though nobody end. got it. I had, I kind of kind of hedged. If if you guys tie, I will give you a half point for that. Yes. Okay, Andrew. <laughs> you are, it is your board. Where would you like to go next? Number one. Question number one. Nikola Jokic was selected to his fourth career All-NBA team this season, including this upcoming season's roster. How many teammates has Jokic played with who were also selected to an All-NBA team at some point during their NBA career? You don't have to tell me their names. You just have to give me a number. Oh, man. These are players that Jokic has played with who were selected to an all-NBA team at some point during their NBA career. Not necessarily with the Nuggets. Okay. And we're including this season's roster. Two. Two. That is incorrect. Adam, you have a chance to steal. The only one I can think of is DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know who else there would be, and I don't remember if DeMarcus Cousins made like a, a one of the teams. I'm going to go zero. Would you believe it is three? Three. Demarcus Jameer? Cousins, who made two second team All NBAs, which I forgot. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas, who played oh, that's 12 right. games. That's with right. The I teed <laughs> nine games he played. Dang it. <laughs> and then uh, one of the free agents we didn't discuss, DeAndre Jordan, coming oh. into the Nuggets. Oh. So that's where we get our three. <laughs> Man, a murderer's row right there. Yeah. All the greats. <laughs> All right, Yikes. Adam. The score is tied. Let's control the board. Let's go number four. Question number four. A well-publicized part of Jamal Murray's story is the intense workouts he did growing Mm. up led by his father. Which of the following was not one of the training workouts that Jamal did growing up? So I'm going to name five types of workouts. One of them is false. So we have push-ups in the snow, squats with a cup of tea balanced on his thigh, piggyback sprints with his younger brother, dribbling a basketball on ice, or running uphill backwards. Whose is this? Is this me? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I running uphill backwards sounds like something everybody does, but I don't remember it ever being discussed, running uphill backwards. What was number the third one? Uh, piggyback sprints with his younger brother. That sounds like a thing everybody does as well, so I don't know. Like I, <laughs> I think I did both of those things. I'm pretty sure one, two, and four. Yes, one and two for sure. Four, I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna say, oh, man, is it flat in Kitchener? I'm gonna say, I'll say five. Running up a hill backwards, Adam. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. I kind of thought maybe piggyback sprints. I'll go piggyback sprints. 
That is correct. Yes. I'll bet he per- did that at some point. Perhaps yeah. <laughs> he did, but it was not in the article. Uh, okay, Andrew, you're now on the board with a single point, and you have control of the board. Number two. Question number two. Which two players on the current Nuggets roster played together in college? Hmm. Yeah, this is why I have a feeling good luck Adam here. knows. And I have a feeling Andrew does not. <laughs> this is not connecting with me right now. Um, hmm. You're just going to have to name two Nuggets. <laughs> yeah. Roughly the same age, I guess. I know. That's the tough part. Um, gosh. Well, you know, you know, Jokic didn't play Division One ball, so that narrows it down by one. Yeah, I know. I'm like Bones didn't. I don't think any, they don't have a VCU guy. They have another Zeke. Did anybody? I don't know that they have a guy Zeke's age that played Arizona. Uh, any guesses, Andrew? Want to just throw gosh, out names? Gosh, I I don't. I really just. Dark. I really just don't know. I just really don't know. Like I'm thinking, like KCP's Georgia, no one else. <laughs> Jamal Murray, Kentucky. Like, all right. Well, that's that's I the end know. of your I turn, Andrew. Adam. Adam. Yeah. What yeah. Davon Reed and Bruce Brown. <laughs> that is oh, correct. Oh, I was gonna no. say if you got if you got that one, it would have been insane. I think. <laughs> yeah, I played right, for that... Miami. Yeah, for right? Miami. Oh, look at this. Uh, so one that one. ties us up one one, and Adam, you now have control of the board. You can move ahead here. Let's go with number three. Okay, there are nine players in Denver Nuggets histories to score at least 50 points in a single game, and we're going oh, to try to name them all. So how this oh. works, you're going to give me a name, then Andrew will give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So you just have to give me any Denver Nugget who scored 50 points in a game. Jamal Murray. That is correct. Andrew. Mellow. That is correct. Back to Adam. Uh, Andre Miller. Was is this like for Denver? You're saying, or is... yeah, for Denver. Um, I'll go to Corey Brewer then. Uh, Corey What's Brewer he... did not score 50 points oh, for Denver. Did he, did he? for Minnesota? Minnesota. Yeah, he did that for Minnesota. Did okay. he do it in Minnesota? And I just forgot. Mm-hmm. That. Uh, Andrew, you have to give me one more name if you want your one point. I was trying to save some big ones for later. Alex English. Alex English was, yes. Uh, we also had uh, David, Thompson, David Thompson, Nikola Jokic. Uh, we had uh, uh, Kiki Bandaway, Alan Kiki Iverson, uh, Michael Adams, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. Ooh, uh, that's David, right. David wow. Thompson, he, he's the most interesting one because I feel like I, I haven't done the research, but it must be the biggest gap between like career high and second career high because he scored 73 <laughs> points in that final game when he was in the scoring like yeah. uh, contest. But then his his second career high was 44 points. So he had never scored a 50-point yeah, game before wild. scoring 73. Uh, okay, Andrew, you got a single point for that. It is now two to one. You have control of the board. Only three questions left. Number five. Number five. Jeff Green has been to the playoffs with eight different NBA franchises. Oh, wow. With which oh, NBA franchise gosh. did he play the most playoff games? Oh, that is really interesting. Um... Is it the Rockets? That is incorrect. Adam, you have a chance to steal for one point. The most playoff games? Um, Oklahoma City? That is also incorrect. Uh, Is it the Nets? That is also incorrect. Ah! Ah! (laughs) Any more guesses? Oh, no, I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) It was the 2017-18 Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, yeah. Dang it. In a single postseason. I thought oh, I thought you might man. go uh, Boston there because uh, he, he played like 15, I think, with Boston. Um, yeah. Okay, so this is this is still wide open. Adam, you're only yeah. down one, but you have control. <laughs> really the board. bad. There's two really bad questions battle. left. Is this me? Oh, oh sorry. Yes, eight. this is red. Question number eight. When his career is over, Nikola Jokic will likely have the highest career earnings of any second round pick in NBA history. Through last season, however, and not taking into account any future guaranteed money, which second round pick has made the most amount of money in their NBA career? I mean, I would guess, I would guess, ooh, I'll go Manu? Manu Ginobili. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Hmm. Second round pick. 
through last season, <laughs> not taking into account any future guaranteed money. Chris Middleton? That would be the answer for next year, but oh, as of no. right now, it is former Denver Nugget Paul Millsap. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. That's $192 million. Okay, now, Andrew, this Denver last question, you got to get it right. Or Adam's going to have a chance to tie you up. And as, as oh, no. we remember, and I promised Adam a half point. No! Yes, that's so right. So you got to get this right, Andrew, <laughs> if you want to win. Ooh, okay. Last season, much was made of Nikola Jokic's dominance in various advanced stats. One of those was 538's Raptor War metric, where the gap between Jokic and the second-ranked player was as large as the gap between second and 26. Hmm. Who was ranked second? In Raptor War last season behind Nikola Jokic. Oh no. Adam oh, no. knows this. Oh no, Andrew. I don't think I know this. <laughs> Who was it? Giannis? I don't know. That is incorrect, incorrect. Andrew. Oh, it felt wrong. Man, and, and this is now, Andrew, you were probably thinking of Raptor, where Giannis <laughs> yeah. was second. I, of course, was referring to Raptor War. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Raptor War, which if you, if you remember on 538, you have the different columns. The final yeah. column yeah. is mm-hmm. Raptor War, which is Raptor wins above replacement. And it it's like a cumulative, Giannis. right? It's it's factoring yes, in yes, like yes, how many yes, games yes. you played as well. Um, Man, who played all the games? Now, Adam, this is for the win. I know it is. Oh, the point, pressure you here win is it all just... right here. Ah, oh, well. Man. Is it uh, Joel Embiid? Was Joel Embiid ranked <laughs> second in Raptor War last uh, season? He was not! Oh, it was Jason Tatum! Jason, Jason Tatum. Tatum. Oh, flawed metric. Flawed Tatum. metric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Adam, thanks so much for coming on the show. We two, to on. Oh. <laughs> two to one. Two to one. That's a bad one. That was a bad one. Uh, go follow Adam on Twitter at Adam underscore Mares. Go listen to the DNVR Nuggets podcast and also to Locked on Nuggets. Adam, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much to Adam Mares for joining the show. If you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review, we will read it on the podcast, just like user Kelly2025. Who writes, worth it for the Saturday Slam and Jam? Five stars. I'm giving this five stars just out of respect for Schlecht and Spears on the Saturday Slam and Jam. Starting my Saturday with two trivia bros. Just puts a smile on my face every time. No idea what they look like, but they sound hot. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thanks so much for uh, listening and for subscribing to The Athletic NBA Show. Go to theathleticnbashow.com. Com slash or go to the athletic.com slash NBA show and get the athletic for $1 a month for six months. There's still great content being put out there every single day on the athletic. So be sure to stay locked in. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. So we will go on an every other week format until the season starts again. So we will talk to you guys again in two weeks.